watch movies or TV shows If that's what you like You a stupid hoe With a book house kids Yeah, with a book house kids With a book house kids Bitch Ay, y papi Is the book house kids and I am your host with the most, Caleb Gross, joined here as always by my loyal co-host, Mr. Studio Girl, aka John O. It's me, John O. Fuck yeah, baby, and we are back. Hell and yeah. This week's episode, we are talking about, as promised, Jitterbug Perfume mm. by your boy, our boy, Tom Robbins. Tom Robbins is my boy. Yeah, he's like a wordier Vonnegut. Yeah, that's a good that's a good uh, uh, analogy right there. A lot of humor to his writing, a lot of uh, thoughts, like meticulous care goes into every line. Yeah, very influenced by Vonnegut, but definitely has his own feel if you've read him a lot. Um, Known to go off on a tangent or two. Yeah, definitely. And Jitterbug Perfume, I guess, would be considered by a lot of Robbins, like people that read Robbins' books, like his best book. Yeah, um, and this is the only book I've read by Tom Robbins. I actually just finished this. You've been recommending it for forever. Oh, God, yeah. And I will for sure read another Tom Robbins book because this is incredible. His writing style is beautiful. The humor, hilarious. Uh, a lot of just, sex. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of sex and that like that's like kind of like we'll get to that later but that's kind like of my nitpicks of, of the books, books. yeah all of, and, all of his books have so much like just almost like fantastical sex scenes yeah and from what i've heard too it like mostly like involves a woman around half the man's age yeah. so it sounds like tom robbins is getting a little lonely at home just writing fiction now trying to fulfill his sexual desire yeah i think that's what he was intending i can't if i had an imagination like that i'd be fucking typing up all kinds of weird shit mm, though so, so fuck it don't want to read my laptop Keep doing your thing tr we're proud of you bro tr yeah and with this being my first tom robbins book uh i'm happy it was jitterfrog perfume yeah because this book is the shit yeah it's a, it's a great starting point if you're wanting to read a tom robbins book because it has like so many different elements in it that makes it such an enjoyable read and it's uh i think it's his most successful book for sure because it's just like a journey you know like it's 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 an, an epic yeah it's, it's, an, it's epic. an epic as i mentioned last week we came in with an epic today and my definition epic. of an epic is taking us from the beginning of times until modern day really like the entire history of the earth yeah of all civilization everything wraps up in the end from the very beginning of like civilization to like Paris modern day. Yeah. And that's kind of exactly what I'm saying here because it starts out, it starts out like Bohemian times pre-Christ and this book deals with immortality. So you see the change of the world through a singular set of eyes. Eventually he finds someone else who gains the immortality with him, but this is King Alabar. King Alabar is the man. And yeah, you hit the nail. Like immortality is like, I would say like the number one uh, subject of the book for sure Uh, yeah absolutely and it's super interesting it literally it got me thinking and like like in a way i've never like thought before i don't like i'm kind of kind of retract here because i don't know if i would say immortality was a theme as much as the vehicle to get to that theme yeah, like I said, it's it was like the a way subject. they used immortality. Yeah, yeah, a subject, like a, a subject. It's like a, a huge topic, I guess, that they use as a vehicle to get to other themes, like you said. For sure. It. And with with Alabar, King Alabar, like we said, he's uh, a Bohemian king pre-Christ era, and he is exiled from his kingdom because he is aging. Uh, they thought they killed him. He set it up with one of his wives, many wives. Alabar is a uh, oh yeah, <laughs> you know, he's a extravagant. A lot of them aren't uh, aren't aren't consenting too. So Alibar is uh, 
mean, I mean he's a king he's a bohemian king yeah. he can do whatever the fuck he wants yeah. if he wants to swing that dick somewhere he's gonna find it's something gonna, so. it's gonna find something like even yeah. his dog at some but point his favorite wife of all <laughs> Ren set it up to make it possible for him to escape um, yeah. his certain death sentence upon aging and that's the thing too like Alibar 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 he uh, sounds like a, it sounds like a candy bar name Alibar uh, like you know he at the beginning of the book you kind of think of him as kind of like this like a uh, like snotty king but he always has like you kind of like oh he's a down to earth dude yeah he's he develops more throughout yeah. the book and you realize that he kind of is searching for like, I guess I couldn't imagine anybody else more fitting for immortality than King Alabama. You find though. out, yeah. If I if I wanted somebody to become immortal, I would want it somebody as you know um, worldly as King Alabama, somebody who has his mind. And he's a funny guy. He's yeah. a good guy. Obviously, you grow to love him. He's the central protagonist of the book. So after being exiled from his tribe, he starts from nothing. True rags to riches. Here is a complete role reversal. Yeah. He goes from being a king to being not a man wanted, but almost. This is what I was trying to get on here like it gets more relatable i guess is the right word as the book goes on especially in this section too for sure and you know at at this point he chases exactly what he's looking for immortality immortality and he finds just that with help of a lover kudra who he encounters and together they find that immortality in the bandalope caves they learn it from a long lost tribe that according to alabar is capable of real magic and in this book it's believable because there's also the uh, greek god pan walking around dick hanging yeah. and he's playing flute for all the girls in the meadows but the reason why kudra really wants this immortality is because of the first time alabar met her she was a young girl and she's about to watch someone get burned at the stake essentially yeah and it's it's really interesting because like they meet up again like 25 years later or so and uh she escapes from just about to committing su- uh study herself Suti. And she is, uh, she practices the Hinduism religion. At that so, time, you know, they at, were at that Suti time, like crazy, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, what would happen was when the, uh, when the male would pass away, the, uh, the husband, the wife would go into the funeral pyre and burn with the husband. Mm-hmm. And just like her thoughts about like, you know, not wanting to die is kind of like, that kind of sparks her like, you know, search for immortality as well. And Alabar, when he met her when she was a young girl, uh, told her, don't ever do what that woman did. Don't yeah. go into the funeral pile escape yeah. your death yeah and when they meet up again it's kind of like a cool like uh rekindling like a like an old like uh you know, not only is it rekindling she's yeah. aged 26 years alabar hasn't aged a bit oh yeah he's so alabar has to you know <laughs> hook up with your girl kudra yeah yeah he's got some he's got some gray hairs it's all like over dazed now. and confused man they keep on getting older and i just stay the same age i haven't seen that movie so oh, okay I hope somebody has. So with his new lover acquired, Kudra, Alabar is once again on his journey, um, just around the world, really experiencing all of culture throughout centuries. I mean, Alabar is a man who has seen religions come and go. He is a man that grew up with the Bohemian tribe, believing in primitive gods, and he has watched Christianity come to uh, come to fruition. He's seen gods come and go. He's met a god. He is friends with the great god Pan. 
who is a central figure in this book, a huge, huge symbol character. of just yeah. like uh, letting go of all of your 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 worries and like kind of uh, enjoying the the pleasures. And I guess like when he meets Pan, you realize Pan's starting to die off because that's around the time Christ comes. Pan's powers are waning with the less believers he no has. One's, in yeah, him. no one's believing. So the great god of Pan that was once so robust and so mighty at one point in this it, book even becomes invis- invisible due to the fact that people don't believe him anymore. They don't worship him. They don't practice the things that he practices. And as their memories reject or forget Pan, he slowly crumbles away into nothingness. Yeah, eventually. It gets worse and worse as the book progresses. But it's kind of funny when he's invisible because like they're walking around downtown and everyone just like looks at them like, what the fuck is that smell? They don't know the there's like, they don't know like a goat them. god like right behind them that yeah. hasn't like taken and into shower Pan in is centuries. a true god. So if you don't know who he is, he's like the woodlands god of Greek um, yeah, yeah. Greek mythology. He smells like a goat. Smells like, like a goat. total fucking goat. And even when he's he is invisible, that smell sticks with him. Yeah, I mean, he's the god of lust. So, like, you know, he never washes himself, and he just has sex all the time. And, oh, boy, uh, does he have some sex in this book. He has sex with, he's like, known animals. To have a couple <laughs> few different like, nymphs lying around his place, too. He's, yeah. uh, <laughs> Pan, he's got a pretty Pan, nice grotto up there up top of the mountain. Yeah. It's, it's, so it's, like, really cool, though, how, like, uh, one of the main characters of the book is just, like, this Greek god. It kind of shows how, like, you know. And really want to, like, a big plot point in the book too a big plot point is alabar and kudras promise to pan to make him uh bring him back to relevance make him yeah make a him like mainstay a, uh god again because they feel sorry for him you know when he out of the times that he doesn't piss them off like he, they, they feel sorry for him for not like uh, uh achieving you know existence because they're achieving immortality while he's slowly fading away so I and guess it's, it's kind of like that great, guilty, you know? Yeah, it's a great dichotomy, too. You have the, uh, you know, the humans, homers, as Pan would refer to them in a disparaging uh, way. You could say so. And, and Pan is just, like, slowly drifting into the abyss. And the way they play with gods and make him a character in the book, um, and it's almost like a comparative religion class, because oh, yeah. he's dealing with Kudra, who was a believer in Shiva. She was uh, practiced Hinduism. Mm-hmm. And you have the rise of Christianity. You have Pan who is an actual tangible god in the book that Alabar is friends with. So you get to see these religions come and go and kind of the mind state of the people. Yeah, and like as you would expect in like a kind of book like this, you get to learn a lot about like uh, cultural uh, times, uh, cultural differences between all the different areas and uh, different time periods. But being immortal doesn't come without its faults. As the story progresses, you t- start to see Kudra and Alabar begin to stagnate. They're never able to stay in one spot for too long. They have to jump around. They have to conform to religions they obviously don't believe in. And, and if you know, at one point in the book too, they're just traveling gypsies. Yeah, that's right. Because like, you know, people always look at gypsies like the outcasts. So like, they, you know, they, they go to that position because like there's so much uh, suspicion that they can arouse. If and one thing we failed to mention too, Kudra is a dark-skinned Indian woman, mm-hmm. whereas Alabar is your white cut king. And their relationship is so much fun to watch for the centuries to come because they do have that fire and that love for each other. And like one of the best couples in a book that i've read they really stick together well and to keep that candle aflame for a thousand years that's a lot 
Yeah, I mean, like, you would think they would get sick of each other, which they do. They get, like, in fights a lot, I think, as the book goes Only on. Only about one thing, though, and it's about aging. That's right, yeah. Because I think they kind of... Uh, Kudra begins to let go and wants to... go yeah. to the astral plane. Yeah, and like, well, Kudra wants to let go and yeah. wants to age. She wants a normal life. She gets to the point where they've traveled for centuries. They've seen and this part, so much, and they, and they kind of just want to let go of this immortality. And I should say Kudra more so than Alabar wants to age and wants to begin a normal life because she's been through so much. How long can a person live? And a person does somewhat look forward to death. And I think it almost kind of goes to show Kudra's original mother religion versus Alabar's because she did believe in Shiva. She was a Hinduist, so she did believe in reincarnation. There was like a purpose to death, whereas Alabar never really had a belief of death and a religion to subscribe to. So he never envisioned death as a better place. Yeah, like that's a really good point. Uh, and Tom Robbins has some really good uh, viewpoints on how society progressed in ancient civilizations. Like you mentioned earlier, how Kudra had uh, so many, uh, so much to look towards, like with the next life. So this is going to bring me to the modern day portion part of this book. There's four parts to the book. Each one will have a chapter from each area. Alabar and Kudra's story is the central story, but also there's an undercurrent of another story being told in Seattle, a story being told in New Orleans, and a story being told in Paris. All three of these characters are perfumers, and early on in the book, you really don't know their position to the story, and you're yeah. kind of wondering with what the fuck is this story even doing it doesn't even yeah. seem to connect in remember, the beginning yeah like when i first read it it was just so random i was just like what the fuck i didn't i had no idea that uh they would i had no idea how they would like uh connect their stories eventually and towards the second half of the book these three characters get involved in a search for immortality and then i start to think oh shit this is all gonna connect yeah yeah it is like a kind of at that point it's like a turning point where it's just like okay this is where everyone's going to reach for the same goal which in essence is immortality you know all these three characters are super interesting especially uh especially marcel lefevre lefevre yeah. Marcel Lefebvre. He is called Bunny in the industry because his nose is the best in the business. And he smells what is an unknown perfume at the time, but it turns out to be a perfume that Alabar specifically designed for pain yeah, that's right. to get him across and smuggle him. It was the only perfume that would deafen Pan's smell. And it was the most beautiful smell of them all. And Marcel Lefebvre was a big fan. And this perfume has an unknown base note that all three perfumers are chasing to find out. And that is the beet. The beet. It is a beet base. Which, the most magical of all vegetables. And if you read this book, you're probably going to be a fan of beets. Yeah, you're going to be obsessed with them. You're going to turn into Dwight Schrute. Uh, eventually, you'll uh, start watching Battlestar Galactica. You'll start learning more about bears. John, but, uh, don't describe your fucking Saturday night to us okay. and try to justify your decisions and try to say that just because you read this book, you do those things. Because you do those things, and that's your fucking choice, dude. I just want someone to watch all like the office with me. Yeah, you're just getting lonely, bud. Please. But back to Alabar and Kudra. Kudra dematerializes yeah, like and we, leaves 
Earth. Yeah. She goes to the afterlife, and Alabar was well, attempting the process with her. They were attempting to disappear and yes. reappear in North America. They didn't want to have to travel across the Atlantic with pan and cargo due to the smell problem. Yeah. Alabar solved the issue of what perfume can hide pan by discovering that beet is the base nose in his process of dematerializing. So he decided to snap back to his body, whereas Kudra completely left. She just completely herself of this gone. And, uh, yeah, this is where Alabar is super sad. Oh, Alabar goes super through shit, because this is like, if you guys have ever been through a break breakup, you probably dated the girl, what, three months, you met her on Tinder, big fucking whoop. You can get over it. Alabar loved this woman passionately for the past 900 years. Love, as Tom Robbins put in this book, is the idea of making some person truly irreplaceable. And Kudra to Alabar is absolutely irreplaceable. That's a good quote. Yeah, that's, that's totally true. Kudra is really irreplaceable, especially after The Lonely Nights. Yeah, and without Kudra, Alabar's sense of purpose is almost solely placed on Pan, where shortly after Pan and Alabar depart in ways. Now, Alabar has made a promise to a nymph that is a friend of Pan's, and this promise was made thousands of years ago, but he promised that any type of scientifical research to immortality, he would interfere and try to stop, try to stop people from gaining the means to immortality. Huh, yeah, that's interesting, because I think he kind of realizes the bullshit aspect of immortality. That, and he also was able to obtain it through a truly holistic way, through earth, wind, fire, water. His way was through the elements. He practiced breathing exercises, he practiced hot baths, he practiced a lustful desire for his lover, Kudra. He was able to take care of his physical body, whereas these people are looking for immortality willy-nilly and just kind of taking it wherever the fuck they want to. And I think that's what the nymph told Alan Alabar to stray away from. That's so right. yeah, yeah. Alabar goes into civilization and when it comes to modern day, he is a locked up inmate. But he's also good friends of Dr. Danny Boy Wiggins, who was also in the same prison as Alabar, met Alabar, and discovered that Alabar had conquered immortality. This caused Danny Boy Wiggins to create the Last Laugh Foundation. And they were an immortality clinic. They were searching for immortality. And this brings us to the end of the novel here. I don't think I can do it justice by explaining it because there are so many subplots to this ending so many you know strings that become tied alabar is missing kudra pan has disappeared priscilla is in a bad state of affairs bunny is doing his own thing there is a new protagonist entered in this part, Bingo Pajamas. It just gets so nutsy, oh, the ending of this book. Oh, about Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein's a friend of Alabar's. There's too many things to go over for the end of the book. So this is something that we're going to save for you. We want you to enjoy this it's when just you go so, through it. It's filled with so much stuff in it. We could go for four we, we hours talk about just it. off yeah. on like different topics. Bingo Pajamas, I could do a full cast on just talking about him. He was well, such an interesting, fictional character. Yeah. It's, and like, it's super He's super symbolic of the story too. Actually, I like how he has the the helmet with the bees. Yeah, the crown, the crown of bees. Yeah. yeah. But with not talking about the end of the book here, one thing we will discuss is the themes of the book. Hell and yeah. towards the end, Tom Robin goes off on a maybe six-page rift, and it's totally 
outside of the book. He's explaining the truer picture to the story. And when I said that immortality is used as a vehicle for the thoughts and ideas of the book, this is why I'm implying that. Because you're dealing with religions in this book and you're so customarily thinking in a human way and not a grandiose, bigger picture way. Whereas Tom Robbins was trying to get across the development of consciousness, the development of different parts of the brains. And the downfall of religion as well too. And one thing that he mentions is is we started out with reptilian minds and this is proven we, we we do have reptilian minds and reptilian minds are very territorialistic very defensive they give us things that we would need to survive and he argues that with the introduction of christianity this led way for the mammal mind and he argues that christianity is promoting and it is true a sense of brotherhood, a sense of caring for one another, teamwork, all working together for the greater picture. What he theorizes, however, is the idea of the floral consciousness, the floral mind, and the idea that the floral mind is the superior mind. It is a true sense of all is one. It is living off of the earth. It is embracing the land. It is a true sense of being divine that we would not have. One thing he mentions, and it's a beautiful way that he wrote, I won't do it justice, just riffing about it here, but he wrote about how plants are able to receive direct sunlight and they get their food, they get their source of energy from sunlight, which sunlight is all of matter because all of matter is condensed light. So therefore the flowers, therefore the greener is the most divine creature on earth because it is in direct communication with God, with all that is divine, and that is light. That's a really interesting take, and I, I do agree, yeah, like it's the most holistic way to, to like survive, I guess, you know, living in the way he wrote about it in the book too he romanticized the idea so much and it was pure propaganda and obviously scientifically it's not probably going to hold up in the idea of you know the transfers of the brains because he does go through like human brain evolution onto the ideas of the reptilian mind the mammal mind the floral consciousness he does relate this all to scientific things is very loosely related but it's a beautiful theory well, yeah and it kind of goes to show you too where the idea of perfume and flowers are so prevalent in the book it's a vehicle towards the, the main the evolution of the exactly. human brain yeah i mean like the main thing he's trying to get at is just like the sense of smell is connected to so many emotions and is such a a, a pure and like uh like almost magical kind of sense you know it's yeah. very uh interesting and when they study when they study the sense of smell he just ties things up so beautifully in the end of the book and it's a story within a story within a story there's so many subplots there's so many different things to think about such a unique character list yeah like you don't have to agree with his viewpoints on everything this is just, just literary just, genius exactly it's, this it's, is a good fun fucking story it really isn't the type of book that i'm portraying it as it's not necessarily a philosophical book until it becomes a philosophical does, book yeah and it does transform into that but you're having fun the entire time it's abstract ideas it's cartoonish imagery it's you know sexualized drama it's whatever you want it to be but at the end it does tie up and it does end in a way that's just incredible it touched me oh, it's you're, you're gonna want to read it yourself well it didn't literally touch me it didn't reach out of the fucking words literally like in a literary sense it touched oh, you like in a literal sense though? a literary sense jesus jesus, jesus. pay attention jono <laughs>
What's your favorite passage in this book? Well, I would say uh, the part where Marcella Fever gives his speech about perfume and how he's so obsessed with it. And it's really interesting. Like the idea of perfume is so elevated in this book in a way I never thought could be elevated. Uh, and definitely with Marcel's part. Sounds he, like you're catching that fucking Marcel Fever, dude. La Fever, because... It was an all right speech, not that great. Uh, dude, he was talking he about dinosaurs. He romanticized the idea. Yeah, he romanticized he the idea. About dinosaurs. He, he did okay. make perfume a very grandiose thing. No, like the way he kind of—it is beautiful. The thing I'm is, giving you shit. Like, it's, it's a good part. No, like um, like the hypotheses that he created were so fucking interesting, and um, you know, like they're super, they're far out there, man. But and like, he threw out the idea that like flowers are what made the dinosaur go extinct. Yeah, yeah. And the creation an of that, and the idea that smell for the reptilians was always limited, so they yeah. evolved into the mammals to appreciate the art and the grandiose nature of human life. And it's a very romantic it tale. It's very romantic. That's the, that's the French and John O coming out. Yeah, guys. And I'll get to like my favorite part here. And John O kind of reminds me of you, bud. Because at one point in the book, Alabar introduces his wife Kudra to his friend Pan, who is a Greek god. Are you calling me a Greek god right now? Well, this is what I mean, I'm calling you. I'm calling you a fucking homewrecker. What? Because Pan has sex with Kudra. After Alabar's <laughs> been with her, yeah, Kudra is married to Alabar, and Pan takes her up to the caves and has sex with her. And that's why I call you Mr. Steal Your Girl. Because I won't bring my girl around you, bro. Yeah, because I don't fucking trust you, and I don't trust Pan. It was such a funny scene, though, because Pan starts playing his pipe. And, of course, these homers, these average people, are dancing to the music of the gods. And Kudra and Alabar dance, and they're vibing. This is Saturday night. They're out downtown. And they're, yeah, they're doing that jitterbug step, you know what I mean? And then Pan decides, hey, you guys are vibing. You guys are liking this. How about I fuck your wife? <laughs> and Alabar lets him. Yeah, he's, he's like, and he's everybody cool with was it. cool with it. Yeah. yeah, everybody remained friends. They weren't ashamed. I mean, if my girl had the opportunity to have sex with the Greek god, damn it, Chano, that's you. Um, I guess I wouldn't let her. So are you saying I guess I wouldn't I let her? No, no, uh, uh-uh. but I'm saying like I, I thought I would let her, and then I like looked over at you, and I realized I just couldn't do it. I'm a Greek god. Yeah, yeah. Well, that sucks. Okay. Let's get to a rating here on Jitterbug Perfume. <laughs> Let's go ahead and wrap her up. Okay. Um. Well, actually, hold on. Who's your favorite character? Oh, good question before we end it. Yeah. Um. My favorite character, and I'm happy you asked this because this is not only my favorite character in this book, this is the woman I love more than any woman in the world. I truly fell in Priscilla. love in this book with a certain woman and i i absolutely adore her i could only hope to find someone like her and that's kudra what man i love kudra that's my that's my, probably one of my favorite characters in books she is her, she's cool just her personality and the way to describe her in the book she she's incredible man i fucking love kudra Innocent, but also majestic in the way she... Hypnotizing, I guess, is yeah, what I'd hypnotizing. say. hypnotizing. Definitely. I, that's, yeah, that's a really good, uh, really good pick. I definitely agree. Kudra is an awesome character. My, now, my favorite character uh, is going to be Pan. Uh, I did not see him at all, like, as being, like, an important character in this book. It was just such a, a an interesting uh, take. Like, when they first introduced him, I was like, oh, that's interesting. He's, like, talking with Pan. That's cool. And then, like, when he starts, like, hanging out with them more and more, and then he becomes central to the plot eventually and it's just so unique i've never read a book that has like introduced 
you know, mythology in a way like that before. And he's mingling and he's jealous of these humans. Yeah, Pan's awesome. I think, like, Pan's probably, like, a fan favorite. When people read this book, I always hear people, like, love Pan. And he's stinky. Yeah. He's got that He's got a few things in common, you know? Stealing girls and being stinky. Well, you know, I do what I do. So, Jono, what's your rating on this book, brother? Uh, I'm going to say 10 out of 10. It's a fucking masterpiece. Uh, Tom Robbins' best novel so far that I've read. I have read Another Roadside Attraction, which is a fucking great book as well. I'd really recommend this book and Tom Robbins. You should read all of his books. Yeah, and this is my first Tom Robbins book. Uh, once again, you referenced me this book. I was so I was waiting so long for yeah. you to read this book, dude. I knew you would like it. It, it did take a fucking hot minute for me to finally yeah. get around to reading it. Yeah, yeah. And then when you first told me that you started reading it, I was so excited. Yeah. And I, I regretted not reading it earlier because Jono... You recommended me a classic. The entire time I was reading the book, I didn't know if I was going to like it as much as I did. Yeah, I, but when he got to the end game and he tied it up in the way that it ended, it's this, fucking beautiful. This book's a ten out of ten. It's not without its flaws. It's not a perfect book. Right. Yeah. But a book this size and a book this epic. Just the concept of it. Just even, the things that it undertakes. It deserves a ten. Yeah. And Jono, you may say it every time, but this is a top five fucking oh. book for me. I stick to Whoa, my list. Whoa, you got a top five book list. This is a top five on my Whoa. book list, brother. This you, is a great book. The spot in the list yet? I give it four. Okay. Okay. It's gonna be number three for me. All right. So I it like is it more on than those list as well. But so is everything. So no big fucking surprise there. All right, guys, we are the Bookhouse Kids, the podcast that talks about books. You can always hit us up at bookhousekids at gmail.com. Once again, bookhousekids at gmail.com. Send whatever you are reading, whatever you want to read, whatever you want us to do a podcast on. If you're even looking for recommendations, hit us up. We read a lot of books. We'd love to tell you what to read. And with that note, we have another book for you guys to read because next week's episode is Ender's Game. A lot of people love this book. Do the Bookhouse kids love this book? Find out next time. Fuck yeah. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to everybody who's fucking with us. And seriously, I really gotta recommend this book. Go and fucking read it. In the words of John O, smell you later.